Take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to the Gospel of Mark, and uh, we're going to be in chapter 3 today, and in just a moment, we'll look at verses 20 through verses, uh, verse 40. You know, sometimes Christians in general, and sometimes preachers, we tend to speak in superlatives. And by that, I mean we say this is the most important or this is the biggest thing ever to happen. But I do believe today that what I'll be sharing with you today, and I won't finish it today, I'll have to go next week as well, and that's fine. I've decided I'm just not going to rush through this, these messages I believe they're among the most important messages I've ever preached. But I will tell you this. We've been doing this now for 12 weeks, talking about spiritual warfare. And I believe, hands down, this is the most important sermon I've preached on spiritual warfare. And it may be one of the most important sermons I've ever preached in my life. And when you talk like that, some people just dismiss it as preacher talk. But I'm telling you deep in my soul, I believe that people are going to walk out of here today with the ability to walk in freedom. How many of you want to be free in Jesus Christ? Amen. It's one thing to be saved. It's another thing to be saved and set free from all the junk that we have in the trunk. Amen. (laughs) We've got a lot of stuff from our families, from how we were raised, from bad decisions that we've made, and on and on. In his pamphlet, my predecessor, Dr. Adrian Rogers, you need this little pamphlet. And it's talking about what I'm talking about today. The title of it is, How to Break Satan's Strongholds in Your Life. Dr. Rogers and I agreed on this teaching. And we both agree that it's a teaching that a lot of people don't teach. I don't know if they're afraid of the enemy or what, but they just don't teach it. And it's not that they don't think it's in the Bible. They just say there's so much else to preach on. Let's just preach on these other things. Well, I like to preach on different things, but let me just read to you what he said. This is the very first words In Dr. Rogers' little pamphlet, How to Break Satan's Strongholds in Your Life. And I believe this came from a sermon that he preached right from where I'm standing. People have all kinds of strongholds in their lives. I believe strongly that there are some people reading this booklet who have allowed Satan to build strongholds in their hearts, their minds, and their lives. Not only... Are these satanic strongholds harming them and wrecking their spiritual lives? He's talking about Christians, okay? But through them, they are contaminating the lives of their families and their churches. These are church people he's talking about. All because the devil has found an unclean place in that person's heart, and he has built a stronghold there. He then uses it, that stronghold, to war against God and against the work of God. I read this little pamphlet again last night. 
The Bible says when he's talking about giving the devil a place, that comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. It says, do not give the devil an opportunity. Now, I just want to say that to me is not a good translation of the word. It's the Greek word topos. Put the verse back on the screen just for a moment, if you will. And where it says opportunity, it should read something like this. Don't give the devil a place. Don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give him topos. What word do we get? Topography. Don't give him spiritual topography. Don't give him any ground in your life. That's what he's saying. Now, if he says, don't do it, then we have the capacity of doing it. And I'll just tell you, the devil is a legalist. If you give him an inch, he will take a mile. And if you give him a place, if you give him topos, if you give him ground in your life, then you give him a legal right to harass you and your family. He can't possess you if you're a Christian, but he can harass you. And some of the things that you just think are part of your life and you can't do anything, that's just the way I am. My daddy was like that. My mother was like that. Her parents were like that and on and on. A lot of that stuff is things you can do something about. You could break out of those strongholds and you need to be the one to have the spiritual strength to say, it stops with me. I'm drawing a line. This fear stops with me. This discouragement stops with me. This spirit of heaviness stops with me. If anybody below me, coming from me, my children, if they get it, they got it on their own. They didn't get it from me. I'm declaring war on this. And I'm going to bind those demonic strong men, just like the Bible says I can. I'm not going to give the devil topos, an opportunity or ground to work in my life. The devil, if you'll give him the ground, he'll take it. Don't give it. And if you have, take it back. That's what I'm going to talk to you about today. And we need to pray, all right? <laughs> if we ever needed to pray, we need to pray before this sermon. Father, in the name of Jesus, let the words of our mouths, the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Say that with me. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Mark 3, verse 20. And he came home into a house and the crowd gathered again so much so that an ex extent as that they could not even eat a meal. When his own people heard of this, that's his family, they went out to take custody of him to arrest him for they were saying, he's lost his mind. Jesus has gone crazy. His own family was saying that. The scribes who came down from Jerusalem, these are the Jewish scribes, were saying, he's possessed by Beelzebul. 
He's demonized. He cast out the demons by the ruler of the demons. He called them to himself. You know, Jesus is not afraid of family or foes. He began speaking to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. If Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but he's finished. And then the verse that you and I need to know is verse 27. But no one, in fact, let's just read this one together. Read it with me now. But no one can enter the strong man's house and plunder his property unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house. I'm going to tell you today how to bind demonic strong men that are against you and your family. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men, but whoever blasphemes whatever blasphemes, and whatever blasphemes they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. This is the only time in the Bible you hear about the unpardonable sin. Yes, it's unbelief, but it's caused by something. It's a particular unbelief. I'll get to it momentarily. And it says there, I mean, it says in verse 30, because... He said these things about the Holy Spirit and blasphemy because they were saying he has an unclean spirit. I'll give you a little foretaste. They called the Son of God the devil. You, you think about that. So let's look at this. First of all, some, I would say many, call spiritual warfare insane. I can't believe Gaines is down there talking about that stuff. That's nuts. Maybe even some of you have said, I'll be glad when this is over with. I don't like this. Verse 20 and 21, he came home. Crowd gathered again to such an extent that they could not even eat a meal. When his own people, his family, we're talking about Mary her sons and daughters. Joseph is gone by now and nobody knows if he died or what. Nobody knows, so don't worry about that. His own people, though, they heard of this. They went to take custody of him. How many of you know that Jesus, you don't take custody of him? For they were saying, he's lost his mind. He's lost his senses. What's going on here? <clears throat> we know that Mary... When she was a virgin, talked with Gabriel and says, thus may it be done to me according to the Lord's will. I'm a virgin, but I'll have a child and he's the Messiah. Oh, she believed. And I bet that, you know, Jesus, brothers and sisters, it was hard growing up with him because he always did right. He was the good little boy, you know. But they knew that he claimed to be the Messiah. Remember what he said when he was 12 years old? Am I not supposed to be in my father's house when he was in Jerusalem at the temple? Called God his father. But now they say he's lost his mind. Why is that? Because all the Jews, look at me, all the Jews of this day had this misconception of the Messiah. 
They said, when the Messiah comes, now don't get mad at me what I'm about to say. He's going to make Israel great again. He's going to make our country strong again. Well, Jesus didn't do any of that, did he? He didn't come to make Israel great again. He came to set the captives free. He came to do three things primarily. And this is how they're usually listed in the Gospels. He came to heal the sick, cast out demons, and preach the gospel. Heal the sick, cast out demons, preach the gospel. Say it with me. Heal the sick, cast out demons, preach the gospel. And so the, they said, he's lost his mind. He's gone crazy. Jesus has lost his mind. If you go back, you see in Mark 3, verses 7 through 12, Jesus withdrew to the sea. This is what he had done just before we, the text we read. Great multitude from Galilee followed. They also came from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, Jordan, the vicinity of Tyre and Sidon. A great number of people heard of all that he was doing, and they came to him. Now, what was he doing? He told his disciples that a boat should stand ready for him because of the crowd so that they would not crowd him. For he had healed many with the result that all those who had afflictions pressed around him in order to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits, the demonic spirits saw him, they'd fall down before him and shout, you are the son of God. And he earnestly warned them not to tell who he was. So he'd been casting out demons, healing the sick, preaching the gospel. And he did not meet the Jewish expectations of Messiah. So his family said he's lost his mind. Jesus never got involved in politics. I'm not saying we shouldn't vote. My wife and I voted yesterday. But I can tell you this. I vote. I pray. I pray for politicians every day. But I got news for you. My hope is not in politicians. My hope is in Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus not only did not oppose Caesar, he said, hey, render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Pay your taxes. Maybe that's why they were mad at him. Pay your taxes. Even to this corrupt Caesar, pay your taxes. Do the right thing. Be under submission. They say he doesn't hate the Romans. He couldn't be the Messiah Jesus' brothers didn't believe in him. John 7, verse 5, for not even his brothers were believing in him. And guess who else was starting to doubt? Not only his mother and his brothers and his siblings, but John the Baptist <laughs> is having problems with him now. John the Baptist, who said, one is coming and he is here. He is greater than all. He is the anointed one. He's pointing to Jesus. And when Jesus was baptized, he was baptized by John. The heavens were open. And he heard the Father say, as the Spirit of God descended upon Jesus, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now, Jesus is not leading 
an army against the Romans, and he's not building the kingdom of Israel again. What's wrong? He couldn't be the Messiah. Maybe John said, maybe I made a mistake, because he says in Matthew 11, 2 through 3, when John, while in prison, heard of the works of Jesus, that he was doing what? Healing the sick, casting out demons, preaching the gospel. He sent word by his disciples and said to Jesus, are you the expected one, or shall we look for someone else? John the Baptist died not knowing for sure that Jesus was the Messiah. Why did he doubt? Because Jesus didn't act like John wanted him to act. And sometimes Jesus doesn't act like you want him to act. And you get mad at him. If Jesus can be disowned by his family and John the Baptist, it can happen to anybody. And when it comes to spiritual warfare, I'm just telling you, when you start talking about this stuff, here's what you get by a lot of Christians. Uh, oh, yeah, they walk off. You talk about something like this, even with a bunch of preachers. Oh, yeah, yeah. They come over here. They don't want to deal with it. And look at me. Whether you want to deal with it or not, it's going to deal with you. It is all over the Gospels. It is all over the New Testament. It is all over the book of Acts. And it is real. Look at me. Where do you think those demons went? Did they, oh, we, we, we wrote the New Testament. Oh, that'll take care of them. They'll be gone. No, that just stirs them up. There are demons and there are angels and there is the Holy Spirit and the spirit realm is all around us right now and you can't see it and I can't see it, but it's more real than you and I are. This is real stuff and if you don't learn how to walk in it, you're going to be a victim, and the devil is going to abuse you and your family. It is time to stand up and simply do what God says to do. That's all I'm saying. Now, I'm not going to defend this anymore. You don't have to defend anything that's in the Bible. You just turn it loose. It's a lion. It'll take care of itself. Amen? It'll defend itself. I've got conservative friends that don't want to talk about this stuff. Well, Jesus talked about it. And if Jesus talked about it, I'm going to talk about it. Even if some people think we're religious fanatics, which is another way. The Greek word for that is kook. <laughs> some call it insane, spiritual warfare insane. Some call it satanic. Now, this is, boy, this is something. Here's the unpardonable sin, verse 22. The scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying he is possessed by Beelzebub. The moment they said that, they committed an unpardonable eternal sin. What that means is they could never get saved. They wrote their names down in hell the minute they said that. I'll show you that in just a minute. And he cast out demons by the ruler of demons. The Jewish scribes in Jesus' day opposed him. He didn't look like the Messiah they wanted. 
They said his miraculous powers come from Satan, not God. They called Jesus satanic. And when they did, they crossed the line. Jesus said in Mark 3, 27, no one can enter the strong man's house, plunder his property, unless he first binds the strong man, then he will plunder his house. What he was saying is what he was about to do on the cross and in the resurrection. But he was also giving us a pattern to use in the days to come. Truly I say to you, all sins that shall be forgiven the sons of men and whatever blasphemes they utter, but Whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. He's saying, you just committed the eternal sin. And it says that in verse 30, because they were saying he has an unclean spirit. And when they did that, they crossed the line. You can't go back. And don't worry. I've talked to people. Have you committed? I've had people come into my office for 40 years. Have I committed the unpardonable sin? I always say, if you're worried about it, no, you haven't. If you're the least bit concerned about it, if there's an inch of conviction about it, the Holy Ghost has not left you, no, you haven't. The proof that you're concerned about it is proof that you haven't committed it. But some folks are dangerously close. Again, spiritual warfare is prominent throughout the Gospels and the book of Acts. So why is it ignored in our churches? Why is it ignored in our seminaries? I'll tell you where it's not ignored, on the mission field. All of our missionaries see spiritual warfare up close. You talk to a missionary and ask them, have you ever seen anything that has to do with spiritual warfare? If they've been on the field very long at all, they say, oh, yeah, oh, man, that stuff's real. And you know what God is doing? God is making America more and more a mission field. And there's more satanic activity here than ever in your lifetime or mine. So, we're in a spiritual war. We battle demonic spirits. Some Christians call spiritual warfare satanic. Some call spiritual warfare insane. Some call it satanic. Jesus calls it essential. Verses 23 and following. He called them to himself and he began speaking to them in parables saying, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom can't stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. If Satan has risen against himself, he's divided. He can't stand, but he's finished. Verse 23. How can Satan cast out Satan? Satan will not Commit spiritual suicide, Jesus was saying. Verses 24 and 25, divided houses and kingdoms cannot be sustained. They cannot stand. Verse 26, Satan, if he attacks himself, he'll perish. He's finished. He's saying, I'm not in union with Satan. I'm constantly fighting Satan. If I was of Satan, why would I be fighting Satan? Why would I cast out demons if I was with the demons? If I was for him, why would I be against him? That doesn't even make sense. None of you make sense when you say that I'm satanic. And then the monumental statement, verse 27, but no one can enter the strong man's house, Jesus said, and plunder his property unless he first binds the strong man. And a strong man is a demonic spirit, and then he will plunder his house. 
before you can take the ground, before you can take the topos back, before you can disable and destroy any demonic strongman's house and plunder his property, you have to bind the strongman. That word bind is deo, and it means to tie down, to restrict, to restrain in fetters, to confine someone in shackles and chains. Demons are spirits without a body. They must be bound and expelled, and only Christians can do that. Jesus said, don't you ignore these demons. Don't go looking for them. We're not on a demon hunt. But when they show up, know how to deal with them and deal with them when they show up. Don't go looking for them. But when they show up, don't be afraid of them. Just deal with them. Bind them. And then loose the Holy Spirit upon them. Bind them. Expel them. Cast them out. And move on. And Christians are the only ones that can do this. And not just super Christians. You can be saved for one second and you have the authority to bind any demon there is. A one-second old Christian has that authority because the authority is not in us. It's not in our minds. It's in Jesus. And the moment we get Jesus, we've got all the authority we need. You know, a policeman on his first day of duty is still a policeman. And he can still shoot you. Amen? <laughs> I'd bless you with that. Doesn't matter how long he's been a policeman. He's a policeman. And the minute you get saved, you are a spiritual policeman, if you will. And you have the authority to bind demonic spirits. Jesus calls spiritual warfare essential. Now, I'm going to take about 15 minutes on number four. Every Christian can bind demonic strongmen. Say that with me. Every Christian can bind demonic strongmen. So how do we do it? What's the pattern? Jesus gives us the authority. This is not just for mature Christians. Every Christian can resist and bind demonic Strongmen, demonic spirits. Mark 3, 27. I know we've already read it. I want us to read it again together. Read it with me, please. But no one can enter the strong man's house and plunder his property unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house. We have the authority to bind Satan and his demons. Before you can enter his house and plunder his property, you have to bind him. <clears throat> you think about it. If you were trying to take, let, let's say <clears throat> somebody has stolen something from you, and you know where it is, and you know who it was, and you have the capability of binding them, when you got there, you wouldn't just go in and take 
your stuff back, first of all, you would tie them up so that they wouldn't hit you in the back of the head with a shovel. You'd bind them up, probably call the police, and while the police were coming, you'd get all your stuff back, right? It's time to go into the enemy's camp and take back what he's stolen from us, amen? Aren't you tired of being sick and tired? Aren't you tired of being anxious all the time? I'm not saying that people never have a chemical imbalance, but I believe a lot of people are taking pills when the real problem is the enemy. A pill will not cast out a demon. If you have chemical imbalance, I understand. But there's a lot of anxiety in our world that is caused by the devil. And a pill won't do any good for that. Once you bind a demonic strong man, you need to loose the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to show you how to do all this in just a minute. Satan attacks a church through sinful church members. You know, when you're at Bellevue, you get calls from other church churches. And they're saying, we've got people in our church that are stirring up a mess. What do we do? I say, well, are you praying? Yes. Are you fasting? No. Well, start there. Fasting is God's atomic bomb. When you fast, it goes to a whole different level. Are you pleading the blood of Christ over your church? Are you speaking the name of Jesus? Are you praying the name of Jesus, the blood of God, Jesus, the word of God, the spirit of God? Are you praying for your church? Well, no, we're just asking God to help us, and then we're just calling people like you. Well, don't call on me, because I'm going to point you to Jesus. Fast, pray, take authority. Let the leaders in the church deal with it. Now let's talk about binding and loosing, okay? Where in the world did that come from? It came from the text that has to do with church discipline. Matthew 18, 18 through 20. Jesus said, truly, I say to you. Can we get that on the screen, please? There it is. Okay. Matthew 18, I think this is anyway. If this is not it, I'll get the right one later on. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be, have been loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. Yeah, that's right. Matthew 18, 18 through 20. These principles, I know, they, I understand they apply primarily to church discipline. But they also have a general principle for Christians as well. The principle of binding and loosing. And God has given us the authority in Christ, not in us, but in Christ, to bind demonic spirits 
that would come against his church. And then I believe we can loose and pray for the Holy Spirit to be loosed on all of that property that was previously taken by the enemy. Now, if you're not following me, stay with me, all right? Jesus said that all Christians can bind demonic spirits and loose the Holy Spirit through spiritual warfare prayer. He said in verses 19 and 20, if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For there, where two or three have gathered together in my name, I'm there in their midst. Again, every Christian has the authority. And the authority comes from the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the Word of God, and the Spirit of God. We'll get to that momentarily. All of us, every Christian, has authority to bind demonic strongly. I'm going to give you three texts, and then I'm going to show you how I believe a Christian can bind a demonic strongman and then how to loose the Holy Spirit in his place, all right? But I want you to read these verses with me. They're going to be on the screen, Luke 10, 19. Read this out loud. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. Now stop right there, leave it up. Serpents and scorpions, he's not talking about snakes and little bugs. Although I got to tell you, Don and I had been married for about, about a year. We moved up to close to Denton, Texas, up there. I was working at a church. And one day, how many of you know that they got scorpions in Texas? Anybody know that? One day Donna was washing her hair and she was about to flip her hair over in the sink. And there was a, there was a scorpion right there ready to pop her in the nose. I don't know why I told you that, but I just want to tell you that. <laughs> You could hear that. That woman was making some noise. Amen. So that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about the little dude that was about to pop my wife in the eyes. These are demons because he said, you have authority. Everybody say, I have authority in Christ. Say that out loud. I have authority in Christ. To do what? To tread upon serpents and scorpions. Does that sound like the demons are over you or under you? Under you. Because of Christ. They're not afraid of you, but they're afraid of Jesus in you. Amen. And over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. Nothing. Okay. James 4, 7 through 8. Now that was Jesus. This is his brother, James who became the pastor of Jerusalem. He was the first pastor of the first church of Jesus Christ. He said, was it a Baptist church? I don't know. I don't think so, but I don't know. It was just a church before we got all this other stuff. And James says, read this with me, good and strong. Submit, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. How many of you believe that verse is for every Christian there is? Look at me. You can't pick and choose which verses are right for you. They're all for you. He didn't say ignore the devil. He said what? Resist the devil. 
He didn't say if you're a super saint and you rarely sin, or if you have a high position in the church, resist the devil. He didn't say that. He didn't say if you're a priest, if you're a preacher, <clears throat> if you're a prophet, resist the devil. He didn't say that. He said, any believer, submit the, therefore to God. You start with, you don't resist the devil until you submit to God. Notice this is sandwiched with two things. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And if you see the next part of the verse, it says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners. Purify your hearts, double-minded. So I'm going to submit myself to God. I'm going to resist the devil. I'm going to show you how I'm in the name of Jesus, through his shed blood, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. I'm going to resist him, and then... I'm going to humble myself before God again. Because it's not me that they're afraid of. It's Jesus. So how does it work? Oh, wait, wait. One more verse. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary. Everybody say adversary. adversary. What does that mean? The guy that's trying to kill you. The devil has come to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to kill your family. He wants to kill your marriage. He wants to kill your health. He wants to destroy every relationship. He wants to destroy your children. He wants to destroy your grandchildren. He wants to take you out. He wants to take your spouse out. He wants to take your mother out and everybody else. He's a mean dude. He hates you. He's your adversary. Be, on, be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him. Say it out loud. But resist him. How? Firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. So how do you bind a demonic strongman? Number one, it's best to identify the strongman. It's best to identify if you can't figure out what kind you're dealing with, don't worry about it. God knows. But it doesn't take me long to figure out. Let me, let me just give you, you know, something that's been in my family way back as long as I, I know was anxiety and fear. Okay? And a foreboding spirit. My parents both went through the Great Depression. And so my dad... I love my dad, appreciate my dad, but he was constantly thinking something bad was about to happen. I mean, this guy grew up with a dirt floor and was the man of the house in the ninth grade and had to quit school. So I get it. I get it. But even dad needed to have some freedom, all right? He was saved. He was a deacon. He was the head of the ushers and all of that but he dealt with fear. And some of that passed on to me. I mean, I, you know, if I'm not careful, I can get over in that mode of having anxiety. But I know what the Bible says. God has not given me a spirit of fear. So I know where it's from. And by the grace of God, I've been experiencing more and more and more and more freedom against fear and anxiety. All right? Might be a spirit of discouragement. Maybe a spirit of anger. There are a lot of people that blow up. Well, that's just the way I am. Well, you don't have to, praise God, you don't have to stay the way you are. And we all hope you don't. <laughs> yeah. 
because you're wearing us out. Stop saying I'm just the way I am. No. Just say, just as I am, I come to thee. <laughs> Help me out here, Lord. I'm messed up. Maybe a spirit of immorality, maybe a spirit of rebellion, which is like witchcraft because who was the first rebel? The devil. You're never more like the devil than when you rebel against God-ordained authority. Never. Maybe a spirit of confusion. All these, spirit of heaviness. How many of you have ever, and look at me, you say, well, I don't want people to think I'm crazy or demonized or anything like that. Look at me. Every Christian has demonic spirits coming after them. Don't tell me that sometimes in your life you have not been confronted with a demonic spirit. Yes, you have. doesn't mean you've been demonized. It just means you've been harassed. Look at me. It, Jesus was harassed. Paul was harassed by demons. Every Christian is harassed by demons. Doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just means it could be that you're really moving in the way the Lord wants you to move, and the devil is there to stop you and to take it, make you stop growing in Christ. Heaven will be having two hours to preach. Amen. <laughs> You got to identify the strong men. Ask the Lord, help me, Lord. Show me, Lord. What am I dealing with? And I'm telling you, you'll hear a still small voice. God will show you. Then bind the strong men. How do I do that? First of all, you bind him with this weapon Jesus' name, that is, Jesus' authority. John 14, 13 through 14, read it out loud with me very quickly. Whatever you ask, can we put that on the screen? There you go. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Acts 16, 18, I'm going to preach about this whole text next week. But Paul, read it with me now. But Paul was greatly annoyed and turned and said to the Spirit, he spoke to the Spirit that was in that demonized woman, who had been a fortune teller. By the way, don't go to fortune tellers. They're either fakes or they're demonized, and you don't need either one. And they're both after your money. And they don't know what they're talking about. If you have anything to do with the occult, get out of it. But great, Paul was greatly annoyed, read it with me now, and turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at that very moment. It had no choice. <laughs> Not afraid of Paul. He's afraid of Jesus. Doesn't bow to Paul, bows to Jesus and bows to the authority that Jesus gave Paul, that Jesus gave you, that Jesus gave me and every other Christian. Jesus' name. Now, Jesus' blood. Jesus' blood. You need to be writing down. You don't need to be looking at the screen. You need to write it down. Blood, B-L-O-O-D, blood. <laughs> Revelation 12, 11, and they overcame him, Satan, the dragon, because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when they faced death. They overcame Satan, the dragon, by the blood of the Lamb. Let me tell you something. 
The devil can't handle the blood of Jesus. Neither can the demons. And then God's Word. Ephesians 6, 17 and 18. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God with all prayer and petition. Pray at all times in the Spirit. That's exactly what Jesus did when he expelled the devil in the wilderness. It is written. It is written. It is written. Boom, boom, boom. Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 8. Boom, boom, boom. And the devil was gone. He can't handle the sword of the Spirit. He gets tired of being stuck by the sword of the Spirit. And then God's Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, Matthew 12, 28, but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And he's not saying, if I do. What he's saying is, I cast out demons by the Spirit of God. So you identify the strong man, you bind him, you chain him with spiritual chains with the name of Jesus, blood of Jesus, word of God, spirit of God. And no demon can defeat the authority of Jesus' name, his blood, and the God's word and God's spirit. Then you loose the Holy Spirit to replace the strong man. And I'll show you how I do it. Let, let me just... Every Christian can bind demonic strongmen. Now, let me, just, let me just show you how I do it. Okay? Now, don't worry, I'm not coming to anybody, all right? <laughs> no, don't worry about that. But let's be serious just for a moment. This, this, let's say, okay. Father, and let's say I'm, I'm praying, and I say, Father, I pray against in my own life every spirit of discouragement and fear and anger, whatever. Every, every spirit of heaviness. So Heavenly Father, I, I come to you and in the authority that I have in the name of Jesus, I speak the name of Jesus. I resist and I call out these demonic strong men. And I bind them, Lord, in Jesus' name, through his shed blood, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. I bind them. And Lord, I ask you now to plunder their house and plunder their property, because they're bound. And now, Lord, loose in their place love, the fruit of the Spirit, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Lord, I bind any spirit of timidity or fear. I bind any spirit of anger. I bind any spirit of whatever, discouragement. I bind it in Jesus' name, through his shed blood, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And now, Lord... I ask you to plunder their property, plunder their house, and loose in their... Let's fumigate this place, Lord. Loose in their stead. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You say, how often do you do that? Every day. How many times? <laughs> how, many, how many times it's needed? Whenever it's needed? You do that every day. I do that every day in my quiet time. 
You're a super, I'm not a super saint. I'm just one beggar telling other beggars where I found some bread. Amen. Not just some bread, but the bread of life. I'm telling you what Jesus tells us to do in verse 27, Mark chapter 3, works. Amen. It works. Amen. 